Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. And welcome back to the Ladies Who Law School podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Haley. And we are back with episode 33. First of all, hi to all of our new listeners. I mean, we have kind of not, (laughs) we've pretty much blown up, right? Just being honest with you guys, we didn't expect it to get this Uh, for us at least, big, right, in the law school sphere. Um, We actually, just before we recorded, well, press record for this, we got out of an interview. Obviously, like, we never expected to be interviewed for, like, a magazine and stuff, and then we have another interview for another publication. So we will obviously post those when they come out, but it's just really exciting, and, you know, all of this is because of you guys listening, and yeah, it's just a really proud moment for us, you know? Yeah, and we want to share this with you guys because, like she said, we wouldn't be able to do this without y'all. The past two weeks, we've been in school. We started our 2L year. It's been really, really busy. I know last episode we touched a little bit on it, but I guess overall, Haley, how would you say... 2L is comparing to 1L so far? I would say it's a lot of work than I experienced in 1L. I think it's just because now you're expected to know and understand things. So with that, you know, you just read a lot and teachers don't always discuss everything because some cases are really straightforward and also just with everything going on right now, time it feels like I we don't always have like the longest time in class with our teachers. So it's just, um, yeah, it's been different. But I think uh, with that being said, I've had to put in a lot of outside class time work more than I did whenever it was 1L. So, I mean, but also they say that you have to do a lot of work, more work in 2L anyways. And I think the reason is because con law is so dense, evidence is so dense, Um, And not only are you taking those two major course classes, but you're also, you know, taking some other classes. So I think, um, you know, legal professions I've really enjoyed. I've also really enjoyed wrongful convictions and agency. I've enjoyed all of our classes thus far. But those, the latter three are definitely the classes that 
are more straightforward maybe. Agency is tested on the bar, but wrongful convictions is not. Legal professions obviously is with the NPRU, which we're taking in October. But I think I like that class so much because the teacher is very, you know, conversational and she allows us to like have group discussion. And we go through these instances and problems in the book of basically examples that have happened in real life. So it's easy to learn that way. I learn well through that way and it really, you know, supports group discussion. I think that one of the biggest differences from 1L and 2L has been I, well, I guess let me premise. I'm a student facilitator for a 1L contracts class. So the way that they start off, you know, the, the teacher was kind of explaining how to brief a case and like, look, you know, just to us as 2Ls, it's like, wow, like, did we have to get our hand held that much? And like, we totally did. But as a 2L, it's kind of like, wow, I've grown that much as a student where that is just second nature to us now. Like you start too well and they're just like, all right, let's go. Like for you talk about this case, like there's no holding your hand anymore. They expect that, you know, exactly like what to do that you're prepared. There's no such thing as like a syllabus week in law school, just FYI. Like you jump in and you're going, going, going like first day. I was like, wow, I need a coffee. It's like 6 PM, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we have night classes this semester, so it's made it um, where we're drinking like a lot of coffee at night or Red Bull. I don't know. I'm just definitely going to have to take a hiatus during our, you know, Christmas winter break time from caffeine so that my body can like (laughs) readjust because the amount of caffeine I'm consuming is insane. I think overall, though, I think we both have realized how much we've grown as students. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's, I guess, rewarding to go into your second year and you have a knowledge, a base knowledge of the law already. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, you realize why, like, they choose the classes that you have to take one L year. Like, yeah. it's, it's the base for everything else you're going to learn. So, I mean, I like that part of it, you know? Yeah. But we asked you guys um was it a week and a half ago 2 weeks from when this is posted we asked all you 1Ls how your first week was and we got a lot of different kinds of responses so we just wanted to share some of those because you guys might relate a lot okay number 1 i got cold called the second day and the case mentioned a low boy and i thought that that was The same thing as a lazy boy. Turns out it is, in fact, an antique dresser. And I set a chair, and my professor made fun of me and started laughing and told me to Google it after class. (laughs) See, this is, I feel like, pretty common. Basically, when you're tip, right, when you're reading in law school, if you come up near a word that you do not know, look it up. Because especially 1L year, like, a hard word that you might see in a case or like a word you may not know, like your teacher is going to probably ask, Oh, what's that word? And you don't want to have to look it up, you know, yeah. <laughs> while you're getting cold. We even got in trouble for that this week. So yeah. Yep. Um, another girl said that she had her first law school breakdown on Wednesday, but survived the first week. I feel that another one, another girl said I got cold called in my first class and she didn't cry. Way to go. That's that's the best. And someone else said, I wish I had something clever and witty, but my brain hurts and I'm excited to sleep. Like 100%. I 
feel that so hard right now. I feel like I've maybe gotten like 15 hours of sleep like the past week, like three hours a night, like barely any. Also, I think you guys have to understand for me at least, once I'm in the law school um, routine, it's so hard for me to shut my brain off at night and just like say, okay, I need to put my work down. I need to go to bed mm-hmm. and stop like freaking out about it. I but think a lot of people have that problem though. Yeah. So I, I think it's it. hard to turn it off. You know, that's why, that's why the, all these studies say, you know, about like not looking at your phone and like stuff before sleep because people have so such a hard time like turning their mind off. Yeah. So if you guys have any tips on how to turn your mind off, let me know. (laughs) Okay, so someone else said, exciting and challenging. Each day of class pumps me up, but still very sleep-deprived. I feel that, though, too, because I remember as a 1L, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I love this so much. Someone said, stress-baked banana bread and gave it to my classmates. I love that. It's like an Elwood's thing. Someone said that they learned that stress puking is a thing. Oh, gosh, which is like, honestly... Reminds me of our contracts professor saying how he would be like so sick because of anxiety. So stress puking is a thing. It's not normal. And you should probably talk to someone like your physician about that. Seriously. Love you. That's why I'm saying that. (laughs) Someone said they got cold called on their first day of contracts (gasps) for 45 minutes straight. No big deal. Yeah. Fortunately... We have not had that experience. Um, Haley and I actually, interesting thing, we both got cold called this week mm-hmm. in the same class. Yep. And um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about it. So. <laughs> we we tried, that's for sure. It was also just like interesting in that situation to like get back in the routine of things. Like, you know, you were saying earlier about 2L and everything. You just jump right back in. Also, I think with the fact that you said that we wish we had more time in class with our professors, I guess I'll just explain that a little bit more. So we've already told you guys that, like, we have a hybrid schedule. So half of us are online, half of us are in person. But with that being said, there's a lot more classes. So the times are shorter. So when we would have a class for an hour in 45 minutes, now it's just an hour. So, and plus with setting up Zoom before class, that's like 10 minutes. And then you only have 40 minutes of class. So in every single class, we are pretty much behind. Um, So, of course, when we got cold called, we were getting cold called on the material from last class. Yeah. So, I was like flipping through my book and I was taking too long. Basically, the professor just like, okay, next person. I was like, oh. Yeah, and I totally blanked on it was a evidence and I had to know what self it was self-defense and it was the one thing that was like the easiest thing from the case and I was blanking so hard everyone was trying to whisper to me but they have their masks on so I can't even hear them so I was just like looking around like and all I hear is self-defense but like did they say self-defense I can't even tell because I can't read their lips so and it's also funny because the question is like what did you know what was their argument and you're like uh Sometimes you just blank, black out. And it was like right. Like, it was right in front. Did you of repeat me. the question? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was literally right in front of me, and I had gotten the other questions. So I was like, oh, I'm on a roll. Like I was like, in that exact moment, your brain skipped over. Like you know, what yeah, you're saying? yeah. Because I, I mean, I was feeling good, and then it suddenly felt bad. Yeah, but, you know, the rug was ripped out from under. That's you. the thing, and I also think by the time two L rolls around, guys, like no one cares. No, I. 
the jitters are gone with the cold calling. I was just kind of trying to get through it. And also, like, once you know your peers, no one cares. Like, no one's sitting there judging you because you don't, you know, everyone's on the same boat. We're all so stressed. We're all so busy. Yeah, and, like, if something bad happens or you don't know the answer, like, no one's like, ha, 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 which, I mean, you shouldn't be like that anyways, but I know in 1L people are more likely to talk and be like that. But I know, like she said, people are in 2L are just like, oh, my God, I'm glad it wasn't me, or, like, trying to help each other out. That's basically what we do. (laughs) I think everyone's just trying to get by. If you've made it to 2L, like, obviously you need to do well. <laughs> Keep yeah. on going forward. You can't just like forget and it's about be hard school. Year, yeah, know? and it's gonna it's the busiest year ever. But yeah, that's besides the point. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers. Audible. Yes. Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frida McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go, whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. Okay, so one of you guys said that she poured her coffee grounds into her mug instead of her machine because she was so exhausted. But overall, pretty great, but overwhelmingly an exciting week. I mean, I totally agree. Like, 1L is crazy. You're just everywhere. Another girl said that she's never been more exhausted or overwhelmed in her life. Like, it's just the overwhelmingly uh, common answer was that you guys were tired, that you, you know, oh, this one's funny. One student didn't have his video up and got called on, found out he fell back asleep. LOL. That's a Zoom horror story. Also, this is a tip for anybody. On Zoom, there's a little setting. It's called Touch Up My Appearance. Mm -hmm. And it basically smooths out your skin. It just makes you look, you know, refreshed. Um, Someone sent that in as a, you know, a tip. I personally have used it since zoom started so i can attest it's pretty good i feel like there's a lot of comments about you know online school's weird or it's better than they expected or their professors aren't you know using zoom very well uh you know just different things like that and um, it's just such a weird time you guys i just i really can't wait for all of this to come to a close because i mean it's just online school is weird and it 
I'm glad it's better than some people expected because I think we all go into it with like the worst expectations, but it'll be back to the way it was before. Eventually it's just right now with the, and be patient with your professors. Cause I know being a student facilitator at the school, like it's all a balancing game. So, so that was that. Thank you guys for sharing all of your experiences with us. If we didn't get to yours, just know that we had a lot that were very similar so we want to keep it condensed. But this past week in our legal professions class, we had a reading and the reading was basically about women discrimination. Yeah, women discrimination in the legal world. It was it was about discrimination in general, but there was specific parts about women, people of color, LGBTQ, all of that. And whenever we were reading the women part, that was like pretty eye-opening. What'd you think? Yeah. I mean, as a woman, I definitely know that there is a lot of discrimination in the legal field in general. I know that it's a very male-dominated field and there's a lot of stereotypes, right, of who, like, what is a woman lawyer? Like, what does she look like? Where, what kind of practice does she partake, like, partake in? Like, all of that kind of stuff. And we actually got a question a while ago, and it was, what area of law, basically, do you think that women are pushed into going into? Or are they marketed towards a certain practice? And we asked you guys that question last night because we had our own ideas. We thought, you know, family law... Yeah. And I think too, like, it's interesting to talk about and the stereotypes of what success looks like for females in law. Basically, I think it's an interesting idea uh, how much the landscape has changed from before with women coming into law. So I did a lot of research and dove into basically do women practice more of a certain profession? In law, you know, or is this just a stereotype? And guys, it's a stereotype. Whenever we asked you all what you guys thought women did more, it was like overwhelmingly family law. And I searched far and wide for, you know, studies that proved basically that women we're more likely to do family law. And honestly, there that doesn't exist. Yeah, I'm reading back to some of your answers right now. And every single answer, even if they listed multiple different types of practice areas, every single answer said family law. And then the second one was public interest. And then the third was like small private firms or immigration law. So those are the ones that you guys think women are marketed towards, right? And even someone said that as they're looking into law school programs, that family law programs are marketed heavily towards women. So with that being said, I found a study done by the American Bar Association that surveyed 2,800 lawyers in 2018. Um, it, it made sure and especially focused on women of color. So these are the list of the things that the study identified that these women face day to day and basically what they said about it. So the first one, female lawyers are commonly mistaken for janitors, administrators, or court personnel. One of the females that was asked um, in the study, she said she's frequently been assumed to be the court reporter. 
in her own firm. Like, what? People don't know who she is or she's a legal uh, administrative assistant and if she can do copies and things like that. What does that make you think? I mean, personally, when I do think of firms, I think it has been ingrained in me, right, that it's... I think of a bunch of guys in suits, you know, when I think of a a firm, right? So I could definitely... And it's like paralegals are, I would think, mostly women, you know? So... I wonder how that, like, why that's the dynamic. That's just, like, a stereotype that, you know, growing up, you know, who knows why you see it that way. Maybe it's just the way that you perceive it, you know? But in a lot of shows now, I mean, there's also tokenism. I mean, we can't deny that. There's tokenism for people of color. But then I feel like that even transfers over in big firms, like you're saying, with all these guys in suits, and they have a token woman of color, you know, that checks both boxes. I'm watching Suits. You know, Jessica on there, she is a woman of color and she's a badass, you know, and it gets brought up. Like, did you just hire me because I checked off these boxes for you? And of course the guy says no, but come to find out he did. And I think that that is something to be thought of because, you know, you're basically, you know, what do you do about that? We'll get to that later, but we have to not be afraid to be in those positions in big law firms. And like, even if you are alone and you're the only woman making sure that you're working towards mentoring and getting other women in there, I think is so important. I think it's just hard because you know how we talk about how people are discouraged from even going to law school. As why women. do you think that is? And you know, like, like exactly. It's the Ugh. same with um, firms. Like they're discouraged from maybe pursuing those jobs, these prestigious jobs, because they think it might be a male dominated field. Mm-hmm. But there's women out there doing these jobs, and like 10 times you know better, exactly. <laughs> so I think it's just this stigma, not a stigma, it but a sti- a stigma. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's just like a stereotype, right? That women have to go into a certain area. And I definitely see it because, you know, I worked at the juvenile courts this summer and honestly, it was mostly women. Yeah. And same all, at the, the, DA's all the attorneys are women yeah. mostly. And it makes you think like, oh, well, is family and juvenile law in like these areas or in, public interest? Like, are they just pushed into this? Mm-hmm. Or do they not like naturally want to do it? Or it's why just, are they more drawn to that? Yeah. And I guess it is, you know, women are can be more nurturing and more understanding. And maybe that's why they might go into those fields. I think it also has to do with money. Yeah. I think as a female, you're not always required in society's eyes to be the breadwinner in the house. And they allows them to take jobs in government public interest you know, doing these different things so that they can, they can still live a comfortable life because they have another income in their house. Also, I think with these public interest jobs, they do have a little bit more leeway with like wanting to start a family and Mm -hmm. taking time off Mm -hmm. and the benefits they receive and the time, you know, all that stuff. We'll talk about it too in a little bit, but there is a lot of things that women in law feel like they can't even live out their normal like life goals like being a mom Mm -hmm. because of the pressures of being successful yes I'm going to cover the last four things that the study showed because we're basically touching on them already and I just want to like outline them for you guys so the other things that the study found was that 
female lawyers are penalized for assertive behavior required by the job. I think that that's going back to what you're saying of women are more nurturing. I'm doing air quotes. Like, but then they can't be assertive. Okay, that's contradicting. But then the next one says women are more likely to be interrupted. Like, you don't have respect for my opinion? Okay. Female lawyers are less paid than equally qualified colleagues. Guys, we've been knowing that. Yeah, we've been knowing that for a long time. And I think think we need to, and honestly, this is a huge reason of what we want to push on this podcast because we are all future or current lady lawyers. Like, we want to, you know, change the legal system, right? And we need to make sure that we're not getting hired for jobs just because we are the woman, right? Or the Latina woman or Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, all these things, the the lady lawyer, Mm -hmm. which we'll touch on in a second. Why lady lawyer, right? That's a thing. But we need to do more on like our merits. Like all, all of us have all these things other than being a woman, right, that are awesome. yeah. And I think if we focused on that more Mm -hmm. and pushed that, instead of going into an interview and knowing, well, I I might get this job just because I'm a girl. No, you're going to get this job because you're a badass. Or that you you can't tell them what you really want in your life because you're a woman and you're scared that you're going to get punished for it. You know, I think that that, or you have to cover it up or you have to say certain things to make them think that you're a hard ass, you know? Okay. The last one is female lawyers are penalized for motherhood. That's what Samantha was touching on. That's why I wanted to go ahead and like lay it out there. Guys, this is real. I think I have struggled with this guys. If you want to be a mom and you want to be a lawyer, those things don't always coincide if you want to be this uh, this ideal mom and you want to be this ideal lawyer, those things clash hard, you know, not to mention that you're probably married, right? There's a marriage in there. So it's scary. And l- literally a woman says that she was absolutely passed up because they knew that she like was going to have a baby and they didn't want to take the time off or wait for her. I think when you are looking for a job after graduation, be really intentional with the firms you apply to um, and ask these kinds of questions like, okay, well, when I decide to have a family, like, what does that look like, right? Mm -hmm. Because some firms, I mean, a lot of jobs, they want to work you, I don't want to say to death, Mm -hmm. but like near. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, I mean, you Google it, you know that, if you're in a big firm in New York City doing big law, you're... Billable hours are everything. <laughs> yeah. So if you need to take that time off to have a kid... You're and, losing those hours. Um, you know, stay at home for a little, you're not going to be able to bill those hours. And there's a lot of work to be done that someone else could be doing. Well, it turns... That and it turns into a money situation, I think. Like, in when you put when you crunch the numbers you aren't giving me what I need. So that can be an argument to use it against you. Right. I mean, granted that's against the law, of course, but I think it's something to be said that they can make you feel like you're doing the wrong thing. They can make you feel like you shouldn't have kids. They can literally pass you up as partner when you deserve it just as much as everyone else who's been there. Probably more. And just because you want to have a family and just because you want to have a kid and maybe 
spend time working on your marriage, right? Because that's a thing too. They're basically telling you, you know what, that can be put to the side. It's not as important as this job. And at the end of the day, like these things that women want, being like being a mom, some pe- that's I mean, some people that's their dream. Mm-hmm. And being a lawyer shouldn't have to go second. Second. You know, it should be a thing where your dream is to be a lawyer and your dream is to be a mom and there should be nothing that gets in the way of either. Of either. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Couldn't have said it better myself. Also, I just have to say this. I'm thinking about it. Okay. The male counterpart, you know, doesn't have to have babies. <laughs> they have families too. They don't have to get swollen ankles. Yeah. And they don't have to take the time off. And, but, but maybe society can change. Right. And the men do take off and then it's just an equal thing. Like when you're having a kid, you know, that's just what you do. It doesn't have to be the shame on you for taking care of your family. You know, I think that that is a stereotype that if change would be so beneficial, but also, I mean, a lot of people in big firms don't even have relationships, families or anything because they literally have no time. But also what I wanted to say was in legal professions, our teacher, she talked about why does success have to be found in working at a big firm and building a lot of hours. You know, why can't success be found in working and being an advocate for people and maybe being a part-time lawyer and a full-time mom? And then, you know, continuing on your education, I mean, continuing on your practice after your kids grow up a little bit, that's going to keep you working and immersed in the law. If anything, you're like juggling more than any of those men. And I think, um, it's important to reiterate what we've said several times before I know you guys are probably sick of every time we're like well we've said this before but it's true it's kind of like you have to remind yourself constantly because I know I definitely do like your success is what you define as your success like your goals are going to be so different from the person sitting next to you and your goals if being a public defender is like what you are passionate about doing and that's like what you want to do and it makes you happy like and you get to do that like that's success we'll be right back are you a caribbean american are you looking for a podcast that truly speaks to your culture and identity look no further than carry on friends the ultimate destination for all things caribbean american hosted by me carrie ann Dive deep into topics such as culture, heritage, and everyday life through the unique lens of the Caribbean American experience. You'll walk away feeling more connected to your roots. Follow and listen on Apple Podcasts so you'll never miss an episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American experience. Your Caribbean American community awaits. And there's a firm or a job or a place out there that it will fit for you. And you know what? Thinking back to you saying that there's more women in these government jobs, you know, or public interest jobs. Whenever you look around, you know, I'm say I'm I just graduated, passed the bar. I'm looking around at these different options that I can have, and I see other women who are doing things that I want to do, like have a family and have kids at, you know, the DA's office or the public defender's office. But then at the firm, it's all these women who are, don't have a family, don't have anyone, you know, that, that may, that's something that you need to realize too, when you're looking for jobs that the cultural aspects of the firm or the place align with what you want. You can't lie to yourself. 
And you see a lot of stories and, you know, while we were, Haley did a lot of this research, but I read a few of the articles you sent. And, um, I mean, people are just discouraged from having kids or they're, they're told to leave. Like, okay, well, if that's what you want to do, then you don't really have to be at this firm, you know, like go, why don't you go have your kids and then maybe come back in 10 years when you have the time to work, you know? And it's, I mean, that's just so discouraging. Like if no one's talking about it and you're one of the few women that this, you know, in your firm, then you don't have anyone to go to and be like, did this happen to you? Or like, man, they made me feel like crap or this isn't normal, you know? And I think that that is where just, you know, acknowledging that this stuff is happening is the first step. And then we make changes. So, you know, how do you get better? How do you eliminate these biases in your workplace? You know, this article talks about a few metrics and different things that uh, can help, but it talks about keeping metrics and making sure you're paying attention to the people around you. Are other people, you know, getting different pay? Are other people getting different performance ratings or different assignments based on who they are, or who they know, or what they look like, or what gender they are? You know, go on. The long list goes on. You got to keep good organized notes like every lawyer. It's kind of reminded me you talking about like pay. There's an article that we just read um, a few, not a few, several episodes ago, we talked about Lisa Blatt. And in her essay, we'll link all the, you know, places we got our info from in the show notes. And it said that she gets emails from other attorneys asking her to like write briefs and stuff for free. Like, like what? And she responds like, oh, well, I usually bill for these kinds of hours. Like you need to, I'm not going to do it for free. I'm just going to give it. Yeah. So that kind of makes me think also like women are also perceived as like so nice and that you, they, you Mm -hmm. might get away with asking for things that like, you you know what I'm saying? Or they can pull one over. Yeah. Oh, she's not going to notice. And it just, I was like, it made me think like, wow, if Lisa Blatt, who's argued in front of the Supreme court, like 27 times, if she's being taken advantage of, then everyone is. Think about mm-hmm. how many other women who are in, in other positions that are t- being taken advantage of every single day. And, and you know what? It is hard to say no. Mm-hmm. I'm sure in those situations because I know I'm people pleaser too. Yeah. And when people ask me to do things, I go out of my way a lot of mm-hmm. times to do them for people. But when it comes to your profession, and I don't know, it's just a matter of like respect, you yeah. know. Well, I think recognizing that like you're getting asked to do this stuff and that you don't have to say yes, I think is something in itself because you're right. Like sometimes we can be too nice and we can just be like, oh, it's just one more thing. Like I want to help, you know, because that's the nurturing nature. But but yeah. also no one's going up to the male attorney asking them for something for free. No, not for free. <laughs> so, you know, it's just something to think about. But. They might ask for a favor, but it's not for free. No, nothing's for free. Yeah. So the next... Uh, idea that they had, you know, for helping to eliminate these biases was list hiring qualifications. You know, this helps to eliminate the biases in the hiring process. It uh, it allows the organization to outline what they want in a candidate before anyone walks in the door. So they can't be like, oh, that's what I've been looking for. But like, no, you didn't say that because it's kind of goes back to the Jessica and the suits thing. Like now we know more and we can outline more if we see someone hiring somebody for these double asterisk kind of things. I also think that this is a great way um, 
to kind of list qualifications and not list a gender because all of these things are not based on whether you're a male, female, or, you know, whatever you choose to identify as. Like, these are all just, you know, qualities, hardworking people, diligent, good writers, writers, pay attention to detail, like all this stuff comes to, I mean it has nothing to do and you can even put with like, your color or yes. your gender and in those qualifications it can be like law review you know what I'm saying you can put things that you want that person to have from school but things that anyone can get into right like anyone can be in law review if you're smart enough you know that's how you set people apart qualifying them by their intelligence Another one is to define the culture, which I talked about a little bit earlier, you know, about making sure that when you go to wherever you want to work, you pay attention to the culture of the business. And if you are in an organization where you're trying to get past these biases, it's important to define what culture fit you want in your organization. You, I mean, I think here just defining a lot of things and talking about it is so important, but Prior to that hiring process, you want to know what your culture is so that they, and by they, I mean the applicants can also examine you, you know? Yeah, I think it's kind of like a mutual selection process. Um, Kind of like when you're rushing a sorority, like they choose you, you have to choose them and you're not going to join. I mean, you might, then you drop, but then you join a sorority where, you know, you kind of had an off feeling from the beginning and then it turns out to be not fun. Yeah. Right. Go with your gut. So you just have to know who you are. You have to know what your values are. Mm -hmm. Going to a firm for an interview and you don't see one woman there, you might want to think about it, you know? Yeah. The next one was to institute interrupters. Basically, this just means to like develop some sort of, you know, list, like, it kind of makes me think of like a chore list, you know, but basically different people do different things throughout the office and everyone's responsible at some point, you know, cleaning out the fridge or washing the coffee machine or whatever, so that everyone plays a part. And you also recognize that male or female, who's doing their work, who's picking up after the team, it's a team effort, you know? So I think that that is uh, a good idea too, because I know sometimes women can be you know, stereotypically cleaner than men. And then you end up feeling like I'm just cleaning up the coffee machine every time. Like why does it, why then it becomes your job and you're like, I didn't sign up for this. So having those protocols instituted is, would be a really good idea too. And last but not least is start a mentoring program in your firm, in your organization, especially if you're in a big corporate law firm and you're one of the few women, this is what I was talking about earlier. You institute a way that when you are hiring from your specific law school, you know, you know, these huge law firms only hire from X law school, right? And you make sure that when you're going through there, that you're looking for good quality candidates that you would want to mentor male or female, but also probably you need to make sure that you're bringing in more females, you know, and maybe using the metrics that you have, say you're just an associate, you know, using the metrics you have to recognize, you know, who are they hiring? How is this going? Are these people getting let go? Are they staying for two years? Are they getting let go when they have kids? You know, that's how you look at this stuff. And then you make sure that the people after you have an understanding of what you're doing as well. So things don't just go by the wayside. And I think it's easy to get, I mean, for things to, you know, go to the wayside because, Work is hard. Work 
comes, you know, first for a lot of people and life gets stressful. And I know that it's hard to pay attention to all these things if you are running a firm. But I think a good point that we learned in legal professions um, when we were reading was, you know, right now, law students are majority women right now, which means that by the time we are all graduated into the workforce, there's going to be a lot of new women attorneys out there. Um, so that's super exciting, and but this is also why we want to push this info because we want as many people to stand up for themselves and kind of start from where you are, right? This yeah. change that we keep on talking about. And not feel like they have to be subdued to a stereotype or this success metric that is incomprehensible and it allows someone to not be who they want to be. And I think you guys probably know by now, there are just so many stereotypes with this whole thing, like law school, being a lawyer, like there are so many stereotypes and yeah, we need to debunk them all. Yes, I agree. So in my research process, I came across a publication by Duke Law and basically I was like, oh, okay. And it's called Women in Law. We're going to link it below. Honestly, guys, just go read all of it if you have time or if you don't, it's still really good. I mean, fans have read it this morning. Basically, in 2019, the editor-in-chiefs of all the flagship law reviews of the top 16 law schools in the country were, for the first time ever, all women. And it talks about in the intro about how they, you know, as they go through the process, one's elected. And then it's like three more elected or appointed. I don't know really how it works. I think, I don't know the the female who basically started this women in law do because the first time all these females were a part of the law review and this is like a commencement ceremony right not really but of this anomaly you know they wanted to do something so they made the women in law excerpt law review type journal it's basically like a journal right of mm-hmm. a bunch of articles Uh, talking about women in law. Yes. And it just so happened that in 2019, when this happened, this is celebrating the 100th anniversary of women being able to vote. So it's like, heck yeah, this is cool. And Lisa Blatt wrote a uh, excerpt in there about reflections of a lady lawyer. And it's really interesting. And I just want to touch on this, the fact that In there, she talks about how it's basically a derogatory term, being called a lady lawyer. Why does it have to be a lady doctor? Why does it have to be a lady lawyer? Why can't it just be a doctor or a lawyer, right? But I want to say something that our generation, because she is basically like our mom's age, our generation has taken that word back, just like the B word, (laughs) you know, and learned that we can still be assertive. We can still be lady lawyers and it can be a good thing that we can. Now we're becoming a majority that we can change things. And it's honestly really empowering. Yes. And I think it's interesting because she talks about it, guys, about being a mom, being a wife and being a lawyer and how they all collide and how she was used the derogatory term, a lady lawyer. Like basically you can't have it all. You can't be a lady lawyer, you know? And she's like, oh, but I can. So I encourage all of you guys to check this out. Like Samantha said, we're going to link it for you guys. But I mean, it's just crazy to me that this happened in this time frame of 2019 all of the top law schools 
are, you know, run, their law reviews are run by females. And then one of the late, one of the girls is like, oh yeah, let's make a special, a special law review. I mean, with the fact that we learned that most law schools are filled with majority female students now, like naturally I feel like it would be time, right, for law review editors to be female. And I think you see a lot of leadership positions in law schools starting to be female. Held by, yeah. You know, and I think it's awesome. And in that uh, excerpt of all the different articles, there's one about law school in a different voice. And it's a young woman of color, Melissa Murray, that writes about that. And it's obviously about law school. So I encourage you guys to read that one as well. Um, We'll tell you guys what page it's on because it's basically just like a giant PDF from Duke law school. But yeah, I wanted to share that with you guys because when I read that, I was just like, wow, this is so cool. And it just so happens that our law review at Oklahoma city is also run by a female this year. So it's just so empowering. And this whole, um, journal was written in February, 2020. So this is like so new, so relevant and just so eye opening. And we had to share. Well, guys, we really hope that you enjoyed this topic. Like she said, we did a lot of research and wanted to give you guys the best information possible. Through the years, I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the 50s and 60s was one of the only women in her law class. And now, you know, statistics prove that there are a majority women in law school. And those women in law school are going to turn into lawyers and practicing lawyers and know that success is not defined by full-time work. Success is defined by how you want it to be and being a mom or having a family or, you know, doing different types of law and making your own practice and niche. That can be success. I think it's an important time that we did this episode now with all of you 1Ls starting school and like kind of starting to think about what you want to do like these are things you have to think about and also like some of your behaviors you might want to look back at too and see like even as a woman you might need to see that yeah and I think that there is also women who are kind of blinded by these things and aren't even um aware that this stuff goes on because it's happened for so long you know or that there's anything wrong with it yeah if there's anything wrong so we just like to point out um that it is a problem in that we learn about, you'll learn about it in law school when you take legal professions. Yeah. And um, we just think it's very important. All right. As usual, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at Ladies Who Law School Podcast, join the Facebook group, of course, and please rate and review and subscribe. You know, we really appreciate it. Every time that you guys rate and review us, we go up in the charts and it would be cool if we went made top 100 one of these days yeah we're close so So. help us get there (laughs) yep all right bye guys bye guys bye